Patriots, and it's January 22nd in the year 2024. There's a lot at the core of things that we struggle with, but I think that there's probably three central pillars. I shouldn't even say I think this. In, in a prayer yesterday, it really came out clearly that there were three central pillars of things that we deal with that open significant portals and influences significantly away from God, that in the end, if we can address three principal issues, then we'll find ourselves much more functional and much closer to our Father 
and able to endure a lot of the storm that's right before us. And we're going to get into all those here in just a moment. Just to mention to our sponsors and, and grateful for them, obviously my pillow is has been a longtime sponsor for us, and we're grateful for all that they bring. And you can take a look at all those great products and great savings over at mypillow.com forward slash bards. Use your promo code bards. There's all sorts of great savings going on right now, including free shipping. And obviously my top three would be MyPillow 2.0, Giza cotton sheets, and a, and a comforter. You put those three together and you don't want to get out of bed. Which might have been the case this morning, though. I wouldn't totally admit it, that there was probably a hesitation to wanting to, rather than just kind of a cool morning with rain coming down and quiet. There's something about rain, by the way. It's pretty crazy. You want to head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards and check that out. Use your promo code Bards. Take advantage of the great savings and all the great products that are there. So again, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. There is a real tendency, I think, for us to fall pretty easily when we are trying to get into the places closer to Father. And there's a, a sense that when we are walking in our faith, that there's limitations we find ourselves bumping into and we don't even realize we have. Deliverance is a powerful piece, and that deliverance in itself is not just delivering somebody from demons, which I think is kind of the framing of what typically it is. And deliverance isn't just as other would, others would direct it, inner healing. It's both of those things. But the principle of deliverance is to bring us in the fullness of who we are into the present so that we understand our purpose of why we are here on this earth and why God brought us here, what God's intent is for us. And that's that's the whole aspect to this. In the sense of what we deal with, I think people still, to a large degree, struggle with the reality of the demonic having us an effect in our lives. And unfortunately, this is a very real world of spiritual warfare, and the physical world ends up being very much the secondary effect of everything. And that is probably what has made it most difficult for people to comprehend the war that's before us because so much is happening within the realm of the spirit that we can see. And we, when I say we can see it here, we can witness it if you, especially if you follow, say, like the Sunday morning prayer show, we begin to understand the power of healing and miracle healing across space and time where you do not have to be in the present with somebody to put your hands on, but rather through the power of prayer and where two or three are gathered, we can literally see miracle healings, witness them from afar. And that's, to me, that's really getting into the true sense and power and might of the gifts and talents that were given to us. But at the end, the end, at the core of all of this is our heart and who we are and truly the purity of that heart as we approach Father. We, we're trying to get ourselves closer to him and be more in alignment with him as in everything that we do as we bring ourselves into this world 
in the authorities that Christ gave us. Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick and the wounded, cast out demons, raise the dead, and then seeking those greater works. And greater works are way <clears throat> are often way beyond anything we can imagine. But we get an indication of that. We say Peter walking on water as he was look, keeping his eyes on Jesus. So it's a profound concept of what's possible. And really, there's no limit to what we can do when we lean into Father. The biggest problem we have is we tend to build mountains, big ones, and those mountains become our own barriers to the success and relationship to him. Over the weekend, there's been I've been doing a lot of work on looking at some of these inner healing dimensions and limitations that would also lead into even demonic deliverance. And in this process, there's been three significant pillars that have been revealed that, and this through the process of prayer and Holy Spirit, that give us a glimpse into something truly profound, I think, into the nature of what we're trying to accomplish. Keep in mind that much of what we have and are right now has been diminished over time because whether willfully or unknowingly would be a better term, we have given away much of the authority and much of the essence of who we are to the enemy. I don't think that becomes more evident than when we start to look at the laws of our nation and the versus the common law nature of what we're supposed to be operating. And we're going to be talking a lot about that this week Jaron Jackson is coming on tomorrow night, and that's going to continue this discussion of common law, which is fundamentally understanding how to write common law issues like articles or, or amendments or petitions. That's, a, that's the method and technique, but the core of common law is a paradigm shift of where we look at where we are and realize that everything that we're doing right now, we're trying to do as subjects of a state rather than the state being the subject of ourself. Meaning every bit of our constitution has always given us the authorities over government, but it's not something that we willfully understand or easily understand because everything has been so deeply inverted. Now, I read this last night, but I wanna read this again what I'm going to send, what I'm going to read right now. And it's an issue of a paradigm shift of how we see things. And this is from the Oregon Constitution. And it says, we declare that all men, when they, formed a, when they form a social compact, are equal in right. So right there, I mean, we start talking about specific rights for groups. That's nullified. So the issue is that when we form a social compact, everybody's equal, that all power is inherent in the people, not in government, that's critical to understand, and all free government, governments are founded on the authority and ins instituted for their peace, safety, and happiness 
and they have at all times a right to alter, reform, or abolish the government in such a manner as they may think proper. All of them have that right. Everybody, that's you and I. In this state, it's everybody. It has nothing to do with your political location. Politicians are simply representatives of us. And all of this gets down to us realizing who we are. We are sovereigns. And that means that the whole concept of us being unworthy and being lesser is a myth. And it's part of a programming to keep us down and keep us submissive as slaves to a state. Everything in our world has been inverted. I want to go through a couple of things here because there's some, some pillars within us that if we work through them and we put some diligence to them, and this is, like I said, I went through some of this last night, but this is deep when we get into the whole principle of what this is within us, of how these tools are leveraged by the enemy to keep us submissive to a state. The greatest fear that the enemy has is that the children of the Most High, God's children, will realize that we are not that we are born into this world sinless. And in being born sinless, we arrive into a fallen world and we become, we succumb to sin. And therefore, through salvation in Christ, we can release ourselves from those bonds and chains of sin and restore ourselves back to alignment with our Father. But God, when we say we are sinners, and we talk about ourselves in these framings, that is to suggest that God created a sinful being. But God doesn't create anything but perfection. And the fact that we arrive into a fallen world and then are subject to these things, we then are become a, a being that is subject to a fallen world, and we, we take that on ourselves as if that is God's creation. I think... The other dimension of this, which is important to understand, is that God's a creator of all things. And this is a hard one, I think, for us to get our head around, is that part of that is evil is out here. And all of this that's in our world is part of God's control and his design. So we have to start stepping back a bit to realize that the enemy wants us and insists that we believe that the enemy is greater than him. And the enemy does a brilliant job at this of getting us to submit to their will on so many levels to where we are constantly coming in agreement with the enemy's authorities and therefore giving the enemy greater authority than they ever have because the enemy's authorities are dependent on our agreement in free will. When we start to unlock this master puzzle and start to realize how significant we are in this world, we then begin to realize our importance as sovereigns stewards of this world and how this government, how the evil in this world has absolutely no authority over us. And so I, as I say, if you take that back to the root of common law as an individual person, going back to that root of what I just read in Oregon's law, every person has the right to abolish or change the government. So if you understand that, that means that myself, when I'm reading that, not as the government telling me this, it's me telling the government that. Because that constitution isn't written from the government to me. It's written from the people to the government in the idea of keeping the government small. So as I speak into that and I say, okay, I have that authority, 
I'm now speaking into the government saying, when you engage with me, I get to set the terms if I don't like the terms in which you're engaging with me. And using the justifications of law and using the moral position as a sovereign, I now have the ability to renegotiate a term which they are going to try to impose upon me. Because if they come in and say, for example, we're going to shut your business down because we're OSHA, I can pivot this. And without using the specific wording, I can say, no, I object. You will not. You don't have those authorities because under our Constitution, you don't have the authorities to take property away, to control property, because you are an extension of me. And I disagree with that. And so, therefore, I'm telling you under these terms that I swear that I'm speaking truth and that you will agree that you will speak truth And that any violation of that, because this is where we step into as our authorities, is that there will be a punishment and a crime for lying. The minute we step into that sort of framing, which is God's way, again, these are not words that I would use in these sort of documents. I'm trying to give you a framing. We begin to understand or reclaim our authorities, and the agencies understand very clearly what it is that we're speaking to. We're literally telling them that they are now accountable. And how much have I talked about this in the core and the root of restoring our nation, which is we have to restore accountability. So in restoring accountability, we understand that very clearly that God is now stepping in with us and saying, look, we're walking in a moral position, a moral law, and there are consequences for lying and for not telling the truth. And the power of this in the common law format is that the accountability that you that they're forced into is an accountability of the Constitution, which they want to trample upon. But when they suddenly realize the authorities which we carry, and we have legal authority, then the tendency almost every time for an agency is to, to back off. We can give great examples of this. Mark Baker, Baker's Green Acres, has done this repeatedly in different formats, and this isn't so much of a common law aspect, though it's an element of it. He uses the Fifth Amendment which in a very creative way of how he defends his property and is able to, any government agent that has come on his property trying to prevent him from raising pigs, for example, he literally has asked for their ID. He takes their information down. The minute that they leave, he files a lawsuit against the individual. And Government people don't like to be exposed. They don't want to be held out because under their umbrella, they have no authorities. That are, they have no control or protection. When we take this to a common law authority, which is the root of our nation, none of them have any protection. And this is the engagement that we start making as sovereigns into this world, which is the exchange that we have becomes between you and I, not between you or I and agencies, which is important. And once that starts to happen, And the agencies are only a a representation of us. We start to understand our greater power. So I want to get into where some of this power goes away. And it's important. We are are suffering right now as a nation from three critical, uh, I don't know if I'd call them wounds, but attacks by the enemy. And there are three pillars of healing that as a nation, if we can get to the root of these, we begin to set people back up on their feet as sovereigns. The first one of these is doubt. Now, doubt is extremely deadly because doubt is one of these that is a lack of faith. 
So if in your life and wherever we're walking, if you're suffering from doubt, this is one of these very, very dark elements in our walk in, in Christ, in our walk in, in faith. Because doubt speaks to us that not only of a lack of faith, but it allows the enemy to fill that void of lack of faith with its own lies. It can diminish the trust in Father. It can add the whispers of how it is greater than us or greater than he. It can it can lead into all of these things, even hatred for Father for not being there. This is all doubt because we doubt our Father. And when a person carries doubt, it has, it has the ability to build an illusion that the enemy has greater greater authority than our Father. It can fill a person with depression and fear, even anger. Doubt is literally an open door for the enemy to enter and to take root. And when that's there, we begin to see the world through the enemy's eyes. Almost that phrase that we use, drop the scales. The enemy, start, we start to see the root through the enemy's eyes or see the world through the enemy's eyes and not through the eyes of our father because we're doubting our father's ability. When we step into authorities, this is a great one, and just miracle healing. You have to have, you can have no doubt in healing. When you step into healing, and the thing is with doubt, doubt works like that, would even work like this. Well, I didn't see it, therefore it didn't happen. Doubting timing, doubting God's hand, doubting that God will listen to your prayers, that's all part of this. We have to have an absolute pure faith without doubt as we step into these authorities and step into who we are with Father. So in dealing with doubt, Doubt in part in terms of a deliverance aspect and an inner healing aspect is we have to find the root of the doubt. What is causing us to, to step away? And, and it's really typically not that complicated. It's usually just us lacking truly believing what we read in the Bible. And that's all coming from our world that's constantly programming us to tell us otherwise. I don't believe in miracle healing because I believe in the science. It's a competition of ideologies. And the science is a big one. I, I, want, I want to be prayed for, prayer for healing, but we're going to go in and go get this done at the doctor, that done at the doctor. The, there's the idea that God's limited in anything it does. Those are elements of doubt. And once we start to separate ourselves from that and live truly in the hands of our faith, we start to rebuild that strength and depth of a doubtless faith, which is pure faith within Father. That areas, wherever those have come about, maybe it's a traumatic experience with the church, maybe it's a, a, a moment where you've just never seen something and so you don't know how to believe in it. Faith is blind. It's a falling off into the, into the abyss of true darkness in our Father. Darkness not in negative, but darkness as in walking truly with him without expectation no, but just pure trust. Those are huge issues, and this can get into trust issues in our life. As we find the root of those, they have to be healed. And that those entry points of doubt have to be closed. And the armor which we carry has to be sealed. Doubt is a massive weapon the enemy uses because the minute doubt is there, the enemy is going to pour in, and it is a gateway to be taken away from the strength in our faith. The second one, shame. Shame is huge. And shame typically comes from wounds in our life. Shame lays a burden upon us, a form of self-loathing. 
and a, fo a form of, of looking at ourselves as imperfect. Shame right now drives a lot of this principle of the transgender. People believing that they're imperfect in this world. It's a shame of walking in the world of who we are. So there's a pursuit which the enemy then comes in because watch how these two work together. Through shame, the enemy now can seed in the idea that, that they are imperfect. Therefore, there's a doubt in our father because he created them imperfectly. The enemy now steps in and says, here I am. I've got a solution for you. The solution is we're going to change your gender. Shame is powerful. And it, it limits us in even a greater way because it becomes an idolatry. Shame becomes a method where we start to look at ourselves in these and worship ourselves in our own self-loathing. So our, it becomes a place where our own pain and our suffering are more important than the worship and belief in our Father. And it becomes a wedge between our Father's love and his blessings and the burdens which we carry. We're not able to let those burdens off or hear him because we are. it's more important that we hear ourselves. It's a very interesting sales program I went to many years ago. And it was a guy that wrote a book on success and sales. And it's really a, a perspective more in positive living. And in the conversation, in the lecture that he gave, he always used this hand gesture, which he would put his fingers to his lips. And as he talked, he would move his fingers to his ear. And he would say over and over, the number one person that always that hears you in the world is yourself. And he told this whole story how he wrote this book about this. He went to publishers. They wouldn't publish it for him. So he had the book self-published. He got an EIN, or the congressional book number for the book. And he got it registered. This is before the internet, or at least not like today. He got it put in the registry for bookstores. This is when we had independent bookstores. This is when people actually read books. And he just began this process of calling bookstores and asking them, do you have this book on the shelf? And over time, every time he would ask, and he had a team of women that would do a call bank for him, and they would call, and they'd take a region, and they would all call the stores, these bookstores at different times, asking them if they had this book. He created his own demand for it. Well, in the process... He was very successful. His book was on the New York Times list for like 10, 10 times going. But the whole point of his book was never, ultimately, always think positive. And that we hear ourselves more than anybody else. The point of this is critical. Because he was able, he was making a, a very critical point that as we speak into our lives, we're speaking ourselves into our lives. And if we believe that we're imperfect, that we see ourselves as fat, if we see ourselves as broken, if we see ourselves as we are, we are constantly reinforcing the enemy's message. And that's at the root of shame. And if we get into the root of shame, we're not looking at ourselves through the eyes of Father. And I think it's important to look at that and ask yourself a very serious question. If you look at yourself in the mirror and you see yourself as, we'll just use some old, fat, or old, overweight, uh, out of shape, anything you want to list. If you see yourself as that, or if you're comparing yourself, like look at where I am now to where I used to be, any of these deriding comments, do you think Father sees you that way? Are you seeing yourself through the heart of Father? And my argument would be, no, you're not. 
And we have to get to the root of those pains. What's caused us to see ourselves that way? Was it childhood trauma? Possibly. And I and I have not been one in my life that likes to go back and say, well, I don't want to carry the burdens of childhood trauma. This is truly one of these things that we have to step past that. And we have to start looking at these childhood moments that can shape the way we think and the way we see ourselves that needs to be healed. And that process is a process of literally going into our timeline of our life and asking Jesus to walk with us and going back to these instances that we identify that have been traumatic. Maybe it was a, a small thing when you were when you were a kid. Maybe it was a moment. I mean, I, I this is a very true story. I had to deal with this for for a number of years. I it took a while to find it and heal it. But I remember when my grandfather at one point said to me, "You're fat." I was I wasn't, but it was a, it was a snide comment that he made that was never rebuked, and he was a speaking of death upon my life. And that carried with me for many years until I was able to go in, identify that, rebuke this the, that words of death upon me, re- redo that story, ask Christ for healing in it, and then release that from the burdens of my life so that that element of shame would not carry forward. But that gives you also the responsibility and burden of parents because parents that are were careless about words, we end up speaking death over children and these things carry with them. So we have to be very careful and intentional about our words because our words carry the power of life and death. We have to honor that and understand as well that these things can be healed, but these elements of shame become a root. When shame takes root, it shapes our perception of the world and we start to worship that shame and we're not listening to our father or able to get to him. We have to heal that. And the healing through our Savior can happen that way if we work with it. But it must be identified. The wound has to be healed. And then here's the other part about shame. Shame is one of these very nasty places that when we accept shame, we often accept a contract with shame that is very frequently tied to a demonic force. Shame is an easy one to work with. And we have to get to the root of that. And if there is a demonic force, we have to be able to break its ties and cast it out. And once it's neutralized, then we have to literally heal that armor, seal that wound, and heal the armor. All of these things end up at the same place. What we're trying to do is we're trying to reclaim our authorities that we've been given away. The third one of these is fear. And fear, as as doubt is a portal for, for the enemy to feed its lies, as shame becomes a burden on which we see the world and can't separate ourselves from our own idolatry, fear becomes a virus. Because the thing about fear is once fear is installed in us and it takes on a life force of its own, it separates us from our Father, anchors us in the fleshly world, and subjects us to all of the darkness this dirt world can deliver and manifest. And the thing about fear, because it's a virus, the enemy doesn't have to feed it more than once. And if it starts to diminish, the enemy just needs to add on another layer of something in our lives exterior to us, and we'll respond to it because fear becomes 
part of who we are. It is the virus that lives within us. There's a reason that fear is said 365 times to fear not. So we end up with these three powerful pillars of elements that live within us or exist within us. That when we start to heal each one of those, we start to reclaim our footing on the rock of faith and truly walk in the greater authorities of a sovereign. So again, doubt, shame, fear. Those mountains, so to speak, those pillars to accomplish and to overcome in our lives, they can be done actually rather quickly in a self-deliverance or deliverance process. But what it's doing is it's freeing ourselves from the shackles that the enemy's holding us on, and we're able to step through that and to start living more purely within the body of Christ. And in that more pure element, we're able to separate ourselves then from this world, and we're no longer of this world, and we become of God's world, kingdom, walking in this world. We're, all of this is about breaking the chains that bind us, and it's huge. Overcoming that then allows us to more easily understand the shift in paradigms in our world. As we say to somebody who's walking in fear, doubt, or shame, and I say to them, you're a sovereign, you can write a writ and you can send it to the IRS and you can proclaim that you have no, under these rules, under this constitutional authorities and under your, your rights given to you by God, they need to prove to you why you need to pay taxes, as an example. Most people will rebuke that, saying that if I fail, I will go to jail. If I not, they will they will audit me. Not understanding that what you're actually saying is you're it, with understanding the law, love the law, the law of God. You have to step in fearlessly like David and being able to step into this and say, this is who I am. These are my authorities. And with that command understanding, no longer are you subject to this principality of our nation state that's trying to force itself upon you, but you're stepping in as a child of God with these authorities fearlessly, without doubt and without shame, for you are who you who God intended you to be. Taking these three things and conquering them gives us the ability then, and it's really a, a root of being able to step in and walk in a place of authority and then understand the deeper authorities of the law, of the common law in our nation. These are things we're going to have to work on because in order for us to reclaim our nation, we have to heal the root of who we are. And people are broken and people are deeply wounded. And it's by design that this has happened over many years. Breaking of the family, breaking of the, of the root of who we are, separating us from God. It goes on, but it always gets to us individually. How do we see the world? How do we see ourselves in relation to that world? And how do we walk in the presence of God? In every case above that I've listed, doubt, shame, and fear, we have to identify the source we have to come out of agreement which, with each of those. And that is an actual act. I come out of agreement with Jesus. In, in the name of Jesus, I come out of agreement with. And so in that case, it would be in the name of Jesus, I come out of agreement with doubt. In the name of Jesus, I come out of agreement with shame. In the name of Jesus, I come out of agreement with fear. You have to break the soul tie. Many of these are so profound that they truly build a bond and a tie to us. 
So in, in that case, if it's going to be fear, I break the soul tie of fear. And I claim that in the name of Jesus, and then I will reforge a soul tie of fearlessness through our Father. And we're reconnecting ourselves to the, to the source of who we are. And that every case, we are reforging a soul tie to Father and through Christ, and it's through Christ to the Father with the anchor and the root in love. We have to rebuke any of the demonic, and there is demon, demonic activity involved here because it's leveraging these, these portals. Sometimes those are de- demons that will literally take up residence within us, and that's just part of the world in which we walk. They, they attach themselves like parasites into our life, and they're able to feed on our fear. They're able to feed on our shame. They're able to feed on our doubt and manipulate us into this world. That becomes an issue of, of identifying, rebuking, and casting out. And then once those areas are identified, those wounds that happen have to be healed. And once they're healed, then the armor has to be sealed. Those, that framework allows us to then reclaim what was given away. And once we start to get to those places, then we can even start praying into Holy Spirit to say, look, Holy Spirit, show me what I've lost. Show me what I've given away. What authorities is it that I'm supposed to have? And all of this roots into that principle of who we are as people. Who are we in God's eyes? And it has to begin from a principle that God loves us. He loves us completely. He loves us wholly. He loves us as we are, not as we are told we're supposed to look like by the front cover of a Sports Illustrated magazine that's got a a heavy set transgender on it, trying to tell you that's what you're supposed to be, which is really awful. Or trying to look at Victoria's Secret and tell yourself that's the way my body should be when in fact you're looking at a man. Just saying. See, that this is the distortions that are being done intentionally to create the images of shame and doubt. And shame and doubt become those pillars of control. And these are these three pillars are critical in understanding the mechanisms of power that enslave us in this time. And once we start to separate from those, we truly start to find ourselves able to be set free. And it allows us to step into another place of a self-sacrificing place to see through what is there and to start to, to understand that our role here is not about the flesh. It's about the greaterness of the love for another. Now, it's, it's shifting just slightly off of that, but following that vein, the story of a love for another. This is a really profound story I wanted to read today. We're kind, of, we're kind of closing down with this, and then we're going to do a prayer for Ivan Ranklin as well today. If you remember him, he's been on the show a number of times, and he just had a pretty interesting accident where he broke his leg. We'll talk about that in a second. This is a story that goes back a bit of time, and I don't know the exact date on the story, but it's really profound, and it, it it's a total understanding in this moment in time of being in unison with life and the love for another, which is his son. And it's being fearless. Fearless to a point of being self-sacrificing to save another. So you can't in those moments have shame. You can't have doubt. And you can't have fear. So doctors at a hospital in Texas informed, informed George Pickering that his son was in a state of brain death. 
they explained that his son showed no brain activity and the decision had been made to remove life support. Pickering, however, was unconvinced by their assessment and resorted to extreme measures by drawing a firearm. He demanded that the doctors continue their efforts to save his son's life, threatening to use the gun if they refused. The situation escalated into a tense standoff lasting three hours, during which Pickering faced off against the police while the medical team performed additional tests on his son. The hospital was secured under lockdown as police negotiators tried to reason with Pickering, who remained adamant. In a pivotal moment, Pickering's son, previously declared brain dead, responded to his father's request to squeeze his hand, indicating cognitive presence. Following this revelation, Pickering peacefully surrendered to the authorities. George Pickering, the second, subsequently served a prison sentence of 11 months. Remarkably, his son experienced complete recovery. An incredible statement, incredible statement of a fearless father without doubt and without shame that put it all on the line to save his son, knowing that the laws were wrong, that he had the authority to do so even though they wouldn't listen, resorting in extreme measures, sacrificing himself for another to save his son's life. Amazing. Patriots, as you may know, Ivan Ranklin, he's been on the show a number of times. He's a part of the 231. And over this last weekend, he went tobogganing with his son and in the process hit a little mogul that launched him about three feet in the air. And when he landed, his he pegged his foot and snapped his literally broke at a clean break snap of his shin, right at his shin of his bone on his leg. He's now been, he's been in the hospital for the last couple of days. They had to put a rod in his leg and he's in a bit of pain. He was moved by ambulance out of there. So I'd like to um, pray for him specifically this morning and then we'll close with prayer. Father, I just want to, come to you this morning as all of us in unison in prayer to pray for Ivan Ranklin, who is in a bit of pain and has now had a rather significant injury to his leg. So Father, we pray and we place a hedge of protection around him and we breathe life into him. We breathe restoration to him and we lift him up in the glory of, of, of kingdom and we just ask for the blood of Christ to heal that wound. We ask for rapid and immediate healing that even with this rod in his leg now that the the bones will begin to mend at an amazing pace, that the speed of his recovery will stun doctors. He will be pain-free and they truly have a moment in his heart of strength that will overcome all of this to be able to get up and to walk as he was. His recovery will be fast, speedy, to the point that doctors will be stunned and that this will become a testimony in his own heart of the power of Jesus. Father, we know that this man walks with Christ, we're praying that this will be such a powerful level of healing that his understanding, his relationship, his voice in the world, which is profound, will become more rooted in the 
in the love of Christ and be able to give testimony to the miracles of the healing God. Father, we pray upon him. We declare these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Something I'm, as we kind of close out this thought this morning, something I'm going to leave with you to think about. When you pray and when you pray into things, keep, keep track of your own thoughts. Find out if you are doubting at any time the power of healing. Do you question whether the healing or prayer will work? Find out if in there, if there's anything else that's affecting that. Do you carry shame in your life? When you stand in front of the mirror each day, do you have a shame of the way you see yourself or do you see yourself truly as God sees you? with the heart of God, and he loves you? And do you have fear in your life? The fear in this moment is around us everywhere. Do you find yourself obsessing about things like my bank account, my job, my house mortgage? Find those roots of things. Hand them over truly to God. Let go of those burdens and set yourself free because it's a deeper walk that we make then. And I'm not going to tell you that it's a one step done process at all. I'm going to tell you it's an ongoing issue, but it is a powerful place of us reclaiming the position in which we are in this world, in a world that is designed specifically to keep us wounded, maimed, unable to function and unable to raise up. All God's doing is extending his hand to say, follow me. And he's asking you to leave everything else behind. Leave behind your doubt. Leave behind your shame. Leave behind your fear. Come with me to let me guide you into a place of pure love and the true sense of being a sovereign in this world. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning very humbled. We're blessed with the time that we spend in this fellowship that continues to grow. And the words that are spoken they reach across a world without limitation of borders or geographical boundaries. And Father, we're reminded of that even in the power of our prayers of healing, that our healing prayers can reach anywhere. And so, Father, this morning what we pray into is the release of three things. The, the unburdening of ourselves of doubt. That any doubt right now this morning, Father, that is within people's hearts I, I'm speaking these and ask everybody to join that we come out of agreement with doubt in the name of Jesus and that we pray life now into ourselves and into others. We speak life into this community, a life of, of solidness, a life of love, a life of security, of knowing you, that there is no separation now between us and our heart, that there is no doubt in our life of who you are, of what you are in our lives. Father, we pray into shame as each person in some place likely carries some shame. Maybe it's an early childhood wound. Maybe it's a trauma from our life. Maybe it's a way that we've come to see ourselves because of our comparison to others, whatever these results are. Father, we're just reaching into each and every person this morning. We're praying for a healing, a healing with the hand of Christ that can identify those moments and raise them up within us so that we can see them. We can hand them over to Jesus. We can hand those pains, those wounds, and heal those wounds. And so as I pray this, we also speak these words that anyone can join. I come out of agreement with shame in the name of Jesus. 
and I release shame from my life. And now I walk clearly in the foothold. And if whatever demons are there within us that have taken root, we rebuke them. For we declare ourselves as a child of the Most High, giving full authority to Jesus within our life and with our body. For Jesus is my Savior. And Father, we then look at fear. And whatever fear is corrupted in the hearts of people, we rebuke this. We come out of agreement with fear in the name of Jesus. And as we release fear from us, we breathe in Holy Spirit and we breathe out what was. And we embrace a walk truly within your arms and your fold. And we pray this blessing upon all that there can be a fearless walk in life. For with Jesus in our heart, there is no such thing as fear. For he has given us all. And may that power and that glory of what that gift is, the sacrifice on the cross, settle deep within our hearts. May it fill us. May it consume us. May it be that burning fire of righteousness that lives within us. And as we come out of agreement with the burdens of these, these things, we let us find the glory of Holy Spirit. And we pray that Holy Spirit fills all of that which has been taken away. Those elements, that void that's left when we take away doubt, that void that's left when we take away shame, that void that's left when we take away fear, those things that we've been allowing to fill ourselves and tell ourselves that somehow this is normal, which it's not, as we pull those away from our lives, let the power of Holy Spirit fill all that was there, to fill us completely from head to toe and toe to head. And may we speak these words, Jesus Christ is my Savior. And may we speak these words in our life as hard as they are to speak for many. May these words be spoken this morning. Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I forgive myself. And with those words, may we be blessed, each and every person, with the glory of kingdom to fill and the glory of Holy Spirit to overwhelm and the love of you, Father, to fill us from head to toe and toe to head. And may we feel the love of Christ around us. And so, Father, we conclude this prayer with yet another level of this, that as we step into this place of greater freedom, we pray for a freedom to touch every person across this world. A prayer that we've made a couple of times now that we will continue to make, Father, because of the profound sense of what this prayer is. Father, we're asking that in a single moment that every person across this globe, regardless of whether they're awake or asleep, has a waking or has a witnessing experience of Jesus in their life, a dream, a waking dream or a sleeping dream of Jesus Christ in their life at the same time. Everybody witness the power of our King. And may this moment remind us of his love, of his forgiveness, and of who we are. And so, Father, we pray this prayer as literally a single dream upon this world. Every person, no one excluded, has the dream of witnessing Jesus. And in the single moment, we pray that that transformation of the heart will literally change the direction of this world. It is literally one dream away. So, Father, we, we declare these things this morning. We declare the healings from doubt, shame, and fear. We declare the single dream. We, de declare, we declare the freedom that we're gaining in embracing you more deeply. We declare all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Be free. As Dave Bryant says, set yourself free, keep yourself free, help others to become free.
and it takes constant work. But the root of this is that we have spent too many years, many of us, not getting into the core of issues and they become burdens for who we are. Obviously, we have levels we have to get into forgiveness, forgiveness of ourselves, forgiveness of our enemies, forgiveness of our, those that have hurt, hurt, hurt us. But in order to get there confidently, let us begin with the inner healings. Release ourselves from those burdens. Separate yourself from any demonic activity. Set yourself on a foothold that's solid in the rock of Christ. And in so doing, then, be able to also to pray for the greater places in this world to set others free. And so I'm going to get a t-shirt. We're one dream away from freedom. And I think that's true. I think that as we begin to realize how far we are away at times from something that's so close to us, if each of us had that moment in our life that they, we could point to, and some of us have had it and some of us haven't, but if everybody could point to a moment in which Christ was present in your dream to where it was living a living presence of Christ in our dreams, I would argue this world would never be the same. And we would remind, be reminded of how much God loves us, how secure we are within him, and how wonderful it is to be part of him. All the issues of doubt, shame, and fear would fall away. And the world would be set free. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, 
This country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 